Hi, this is Andrew Davis, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 667 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, if you enjoyed the movie The Fugitive, The Guardian, Holes, Collateral Damage, Under Siege, uh, just on and on, uh, we've got the director, the man who made the movie, Andrew Davis, joining us here at On Screen and Beyond this week. And it's also the 30th anniversary of The Fugitive, believe that or not, so 30 years ago that movie came out. And Harrison Ford was in that, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, and the director was Andrew Davis, and he is joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. So get ready for that. That's coming up in a few minutes. And, uh, I mean, Christmas is here, basically. You know, you may be listening to this after. Uh, you know, I'm putting it out before, but you're pr- maybe you're listening to it after. Uh, things are busy, so people aren't listening, uh, you know, constantly, but uh, hope... Um, you do tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond, and uh, you, you know, with Christmas gone by, probably, like you say, by the time you're listening to this, that, uh, you know, you can still get what you want, a, a On Screen and Beyond t-shirt, or an On Screen and Beyond mug, or a water bottle, or a glass, or t-shirt, or hoodie, or anything like that, you can still get it, uh, it just won't have time for Christmas, of course, but you can get it at onscreenandbeyond.com, there's a button that says On Screen and Beyond Merchandise, Click it right there, and you can go see what we've got. We've got three different uh, designs. We have the original logo of On Screen and Beyond. We have the current new On Screen and Beyond logo with the blue burst background. And then just the On Screen and Beyond logo, the new one, uh, with no background. So uh, check them out and uh, see what you think. There's all kinds of great stuff there. And uh, if you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, get something there. You know, you if you're a fan of On Screen to Be On, you're a listener. Like if you're over in, uh, uh, I'm trying the Flushing, New York. We get a lot of listeners from Flushing, New York, listening to us, and in California. All kinds of people there uh, in L.A., of course, and uh, we've got other people who are listening uh, all up and down, you know, California and uh, different places around the world. Uh, and we just uh, thank you so much for listening, and we hope as we go into a new year here at On Screen and Beyond that uh, you will keep listening and keep, uh, you know, telling friends and letting people know about On Screen and Beyond. You know, when you see us on Instagram or uh uh, Facebook or X or whatever they Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you could just, you know, share when we post something about who our guest is, that will help us a lot too. And uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we, you know, keep trying to do this for you and hopefully you'll do something for us by doing that, sharing it and uh, letting people know more and more people. So anyways, uh, I hope you had a great Christmas or having a great Christmas or going to have a great Christmas, whichever time you're listening to this episode. And uh, it's, uh, you know, just that time of year when everything is just just fun. 
And uh, Andrew Davis is going to be coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But it is time for remakes, sequels, and prequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake, sequels, and prequels Inside Out 2, June 14th, will be in theaters. December 13th, 2024, it looks like Lord of the Rings, The War of... I gotta get this right... Rohirrim marches on to the big screen. Hope I said that right. And A Quiet Place Day One silently strolls into theaters on June 28th. November 8th, 2024, you can look for Venom 3 to come our way. Lady Gaga will play Harley Quinn on October 4th in theaters. And that's it for remake sequels and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies on May 17th, If Heads Our Way, from writer-director John Krasinski. And uh, it's about a girl who can see everyone's imaginary friends. It's going to be starring Ryan Reynolds and John Krasinski. And it looks like uh, Jenna Ortega will star in Miller's Girl. That's coming our way on January 26th. February 14th, Bob Marley, Our Love, Arrives in theaters, and it tells the story of the music icon Bob Marley. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Movies on TV and DVD and streaming. It looks like The Marsh King's Daughter with Daisy Ridley comes our way on Blu-ray on January 2nd, January 16th, Journey to Bethlehem comes to DVD and Blu-ray. Billions, the final season, lands on DVD January 16th. Special Ops, Lioness, season one, kicks on to DVD and Blu-ray on January 23rd. And January 30th, Magnum P.I., the final season. This is the second Magnum P.I., not the original, okay? Just want to make sure you know that. And uh, it's coming to DVD. That's it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next to launch screen to be on TV and entertainment time. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, this is Peter Trucks on On Screen and Beyond. TV and Entertainment Time, Apple TV Plus has renewed Platonic for Season 2, and Max has dropped The Tourist, and Netflix has picked it up for Season 2, and it premieres on February 29th. And it looks like Dean Morris of uh, Breaking Bad... You know, he was on that show, and he's arrived uh, to join the cast of Season 4 of Law & Order Organized Crime. And uh, Dean Dean's a great actor. He's done so many different roles, so uh, be sure to check that out. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Andrew Davis. He's the director of The Fugitive, The Guardian, 
holes, collateral damage, under siege. There's a new 30th anniversary of The Fugitive that's coming out in 4K. Just so much stuff he's been doing. Uh, Stony Island was another movie he did. That was his first movie. That's just been released recently for uh, 4K. Andrew's going to have a lot to talk about. He's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest has directed many films, including Stony Island, Code of Silence, Under Siege, Collateral Damage, Holes, and The Guardian. 30 years ago, he directed the film version of the classic TV show The Fugitive. Now, a 30th anniversary of The Fugitive starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones in a 4K edition is available. It's director Andrew Davis. Andrew, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Nice to be here. Now, Andrew, does it seem like it was 30 years ago that that you filmed The Fugitive? Well, you know, it, it, it seems like yesterday and seems like a long time ago. So it's, it's both, you know, because, you know, I, I, it became a huge part of my life and my career. And I'm sort of known as the director of The Fugitive at this point. And uh, and then there's another generation, and they say, well, he, he, I don't know about that one, but I saw, did you see Holes? And he, oh, yeah, I saw Holes. So there are different <laughs> films in your life that were different generations, you know. Yeah. But what's nice is there are a lot of young reviewers seeing the, the 30th anniversary version of this movie who didn't see it or saw it when they were young kids with their parents. So to have another generation appreciate your work is terrific. And then Stony Island, which is the 45th anniversary, yes. is a film that was really sort of the template for my career. If you look at Stony Island, you'll has a lot of the textures of The Fugitive and other films I shot in Chicago. And, uh, you know, it, it's a very sort of hip movie about kids putting an R&B band together back in the 70s. So it's got a lot of colorful kids and great music and, you know, bell bottoms and afros and things like that. <laughs> Now, I saw some write-ups about, you know, because you see all kinds of reviews and things like that. Was that like a semi-biographical film, Stony Island? Well, yeah, it was, you know, it was the story of my brother and I growing up in Chicago on the South Side. I had seen Mean Streets and uh, uh, American Graffiti and, you know, and those directors did films about their growing up. And I thought, well, you know, my growing up was pretty darn interesting, so... I decided to do a story about my brother, who was a white kid growing up in a black neighborhood, putting a band together. And in fact, it turned out to be his life because he became a very well-known musician and has a very successful band in Chicago called the Chicago Cats. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was very much a, a part of my parents not moving when the neighborhood changed and starting to stay in the in that neighborhood. And uh, I felt it was a very rich kind of background for a kid to grow up in. Yeah. Now, that was your your first film, but I, I hesitate to say first film because every director does films before the one that everybody knows them for. <laughs> so, did, had you done other, you know, smaller films? Of course, a lot of uh, uh, people start out directing with the you know horror movies or things like that. So, was there anything before Stony Island? 
Not as a director. I had shot maybe 14 films as a director of photography. I was a cameraman. I was a cinematographer. Ah. And I'd worked with a lot of young directors uh, who were trying, who had gone on after we worked on these low-budget films for Gene Corman, for mostly. Um, <clears throat> and they couldn't hire, <clears throat> hire us because we weren't in the union. And we were fighting to get in the union, and they didn't want us. They wanted us to start back on the bottom again. This is Caleb Deschanel and Alan Davio, Tech Fujimoto, myself. So I started a lawsuit to sue the unions and the studios for the discriminatory way they were handling their seniority roster. And in the interim, I said, you know, it's easier to be a director. I'm going to make my own movie. And that's how Stony Island came out. So it was really my first film. I partnered with a woman named Tamar Hoffs, who was a, a writer who had worked on a film I shot with Tony Curtis. And it turns out that her brother and my brother had both been kids on the South Side who fell in love with the old blues players, you know, with Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and Buddy mm -hmm. Guy. And so we put a movie together about kids growing up and finding mu music from another culture and making it their own. And her daughter, Susanna Hoffs, was a production assistant, had a part in the movie. She was just starting her world, her career as a musician and as a singer and started the Bangles, you know, and, and, and oh, all kinds yeah. of people were in that movie for the, in the beginning of their career. Dennis Franz, who later became a big TV star. And yeah, and YPD Blue. Kinds, yeah. Right. All kinds of people got their start. Tak Fujimoto, who was my assistant, shot the movie. And he became a very famous cinematographer. So it was a launching pad. For a lot of people, it didn't get the attention it deserved at the time, even though it got incredible reviews. The reviews of Stony Island were as good as The Fugitive. I mean, they were incredible. But it, it, the film was sort of abandoned because of, of, of racism at the time. White kids, uh, black kids were going into white neighborhoods, and the theater owners didn't want black kids coming in. So they, they, they dropped the picture. They changed the name to My Main Man from Stony Island. And it wasn't a black exploitation film. It was a film about music being a common language. Hmm. So, so it's now getting a re-release, and I'm. It's wonderful because kids who knew nothing about this film see it and they go, "Wow, this is hip, man! This is great music." And we, you know, Ray Don Chong's in it. All kinds of really interesting people are in it, and uh, it, it it works as a as a really up, uplifting kind of a tribute to an old sax player who's their mentor. Yeah. Now, was it hard getting some of these uh, musicians to be in the film? Uh, you know, did you have a, uh, did you approach them or did you have a casting director or? Well, basically, uh, my brother Richie and his friend Stoney were the, the, the core of putting the band together in terms of the characters in the story. And I met a man named Gene Barge, who was a great producer, who had produced for Chess Records. He had been in Stax Records. And Gene was a, a, a real producer mentor, and he had just finished Natalie Cole's first album and had this great rhythm section in Chicago. And so he brought Larry Ball and Tennyson Stevens and Donnell Haig and all these great musicians, and we put a band together in about two weeks, wrote a bunch of songs, and that's what the movie's about, about a struggling band putting a band together and writing their own material. Mm -hmm. Now, are you musically inclined? Well, I was in a couple bands in college, yeah. I taught my brother the guitar. You know, he's 11 years younger than I. I used to you know, terrorize him playing the Twilight Zone theme You know, when he was a kid. <laughs> but uh, Richie became a great musician on his own, and, uh, and I've always loved music, and I've been very conscious of music. I, I get along well with most of the composers I've worked with, like James Newton Howard, who did an amazing job on the Fugitive score because I have a sense of 
what things, how things work dramatically, and 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 can reference things, you know, mm-hmm. that should belong in the movie, either as needle drops or the kind of score it should be. Yeah. Well, now that Stony Island was forty-five years ago, and it's getting it's it did get the release too, uh, so re-released. Uh, does that one feel like you know <laughs> that forty-five years ago? We're going to go a little bit further back than the, the Fugitive. Yeah, and, and Holes was twenty years. Twenty years. So, so wow. Jeez. <laughs> so we're, so I'm, I'm able to. It's, it's wonderful. It's, you have these these children from different generations that you can still hold their hand. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to the fugitive. Um, which, and you say you, you haunted your brother with the Twilight Zone uh, theme song. Uh, were you a fan of the, of course, the Twilight Zone and The Fugitive, too? The TV well, show? I, no, and actually, you know, I never really was that familiar with it. It was the 60s, and we were off doing other things in the 60s, you mm-hmm. know, like growing up and <laughs> being involved in the civil rights movement or rock and roll, you know, and... and um, uh, an anti-war movement at that time, you know, mm-hmm. it's the Vietnam. And so um, Harrison and Tommy and I did not sit home and watch The Fugitive. You know, we were aware there was a big show. And when I was offered the film, you know, I looked at the couple episodes of it and I, I got the gist of the train crash and things like that. But, you know, we we needed to make a standalone thriller and, and we needed to come up with a plot and a, and a motivation for what was going to happen that we had to create on the spot. Yeah. Now, does that hang over your head, though, that, I mean, this is such a classic TV show? Are you, you know, trying to uh, to... to meet the expectations of the people who love the show or do you are you just making your film and and here it is well i you know it's interesting because one of the best reviews i got was from the creator of the tv show roy huggins who Hmm. loved the movie who felt that we had done a really great job adapting which is basically les miserables you know this classic tale of the unjustly accused man and so, uh, you know, I didn't feel like we had to, we had to satisfy the people, of course, who love the show. As we did in Holes, we had to satisfy the people who love the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting, when you look at The Fugitive, there's a woman sitting behind Harrison during the trial, who, who's the mother uh, of the lead actor, David, uh, what's his, David's last name? David Jansen's mother Jansen, is Jansen. in the movie. David Jansen's mother is sitting behind Harrison in the movie. Wow. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Jeez. No, no, nobody does really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wasn't a famous actress, right? Or anything like that. No, no, no. She just, we just let her be part of it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's, that's a good way to do it. That's a good thing to do. Um, now working with Harrison Ford and, and Tommy Lee Jones, uh, and, and I want to add that, that this film is, quite a film because it was nominated for seven academy awards too so you know it's no slouch that's for sure <laughs> including best picture yes yeah well you know it, 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 nobody expected that i mean nobody expected this they thought it was going to be just another action thriller and because it's got such heart and you care so much about the people based upon the performances and the basic story uh, it really had resonance, you know, so it, it, it had a pace and a rhythm 
and a, and a heart that, that that reached a global audience and can you know it continues to play around the world every day. I mean, there's people watching The Fugitive still, and and this new 4K Blu-ray is mind-boggling because it it looks better and sounds better than it ever has. Yeah, yeah. Now, had you worked with uh, Harrison or Tommy Lee before this film? Well, this this was the third film with Tommy. We did a film called The Package uh, with Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. And then we did Under Siege just before The Fugitive, which was a big hit for Warner Brothers. That's, that was the basis of Harrison's uh, Under Siege and said, let's get this guy to direct The Fugitive. So that's how that all came about. I, ha- I hadn't worked with Harrison before. Yeah. Now, looking over your career, I, 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 Chuck Norris, Steven Seagal, Andy Garcia, Alan Arkin, Keanu Reeves, Morgan Freeman, Michael Douglas, Gwyneth Paltrow, Shia LaBeouf, Sigourney Weaver, and, and I could just keep going on, Kevin Costner, uh, <laughs> Ashton Kutcher. I mean, you have worked with Hollywood's top people. Lucky guy, huh? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, it's, yeah. and, and all the action. John, you mentioned John Turturro and... and uh... Uh, John Leguizamo, too. Yeah, I, I mean, there's just so many. I, I, you know, I picked a few. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just an amazing uh, uh, list of people that you've been able to work with. Hey, this is Ted Nugent, and I'm on On Screen and Beyond. God bless America. Now, is there anybody in particular that you really enjoyed working with, uh, to be working with this person? Oh, many of them, many of them. I mean, you know, Tommy Lee and I have had a special relationship. We've done really three movies together that I'm very proud of. I love working with Shia LaBeouf and, and Tim Blake Nelson and, and, and Voight and, and Sigourney and everybody, Andy Garcia, Alan Arkin was fantastic. I mean, I, I've, I've been in, enjoyed everybody I've worked with. You know, uh, uh, I haven't had a conflict with any of the talent. Hackman was a little rough. You know, I was a young director, and he was a sort of crusty old guy, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it worked out, you know. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I've had a, a great time working with people. And, uh, you know, my father was an actor. My father's an actor in Holes. He's grandpa in Holes. He's the yes, old guy. Yeah. This is all because you're dirty, no rotten, pig-stealing, great-great-grandparents. That's my father. <laughs> So I grew up around actors, and I appreciate them, and I understand their strengths and their insecurities. Yeah. Is there anybody you, you haven't worked with that you really want to work with? Oh, many, many, many. I'd love to work with Denzel and Jamie Foxx and, mm. and Clooney and, you know, all kinds of people. Yeah. Huh. So now you've done so many action thrillers, you know. Uh, it's, 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 are there any certain movies bes- that is closest to your heart when you were making it? You mean of my own movies? Uh, yeah, your own movies. What What was, you know, are, are there any of the ones that you've made that, you know, this one was really something you thought you'd, this was the top-notch, you know, working for you on the film? Well, I have to say The Fugitive seemed to be the one that everybody went, wow, you know, that was the one that got the most attention, made the most money, got the most got the, the most nominations, you know. But I'm proud of, uh, you know, uh, almost all of them in, in one way or another. You know, you look back on them, how the hell do we pull this off? You know, how do we, <laughs> how, how do we figure out how to do this? And how do we get, 
you know, the sets right and the studio to support us and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they're, they're all your children, you know, and, and you have, you have, you have great affection for them. And, and, and also the process, you know, of all the people who worked hard to get them done. I mean, the guardian was really a monumental achievement in terms of trying to create the, the Bering Sea in a tank in, in, in Louisiana, you know? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, these films that you've made, they're all multi-million dollar films that, uh, you know, the budgets were big and everything. Uh, but you you mentioned that, you know, how did we do this? Were there any things that you had to do? Because I've had a lot of directors on from, say, the 50s and 60s with the old sci-fi movies, you know, and they didn't have the technology they have now. And they still made you feel like, you know, if if it was tiny people uh and they were like yeah. a giants you know and they were in this world and they had to do this to make you feel that you were really there did you come across any of that even with the million dollar budgets you mean the difficulty of creating a world that didn't exist you mean right yeah well i would think that the guardian was the most challenging you know to try to create an environment uh, where you felt you were in the middle of a storm or at sea, mm-hmm. and with and have it be cold and 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 scary, that that was the biggest challenge of all of them. The most digital work that I ever did in a movie. Uh, Fugitive only had two or three digital. You know, they didn't have digital shots in those days. They, we rear projection. So everything else has been sort of real, and I, and that's sort of the, the way I like to work is to keep it as real as possible. Yeah. And um, holes had some had some sort of uh, extraterrestrial kind of qualities to it, you know, with the lizards. We had mm-hmm. to create those lizards and animate some of them and and trying to figure out how to make that 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 landscape of uh, look like it had all those holes dug was a, yeah. was another challenge, you know. Yeah. Um so those are those I think the last two movies, you know, uh, had the most visual effects that I was involved with. But I think, you know, using Chicago as a background in many of my films or New York on a perfect murder, you know, is, and keeping it real and using the city as a character is sort of one of the things I like to do. Yeah. Are there any projects that you have going on now? Are there anything new that you've got in the works that you could tell us about? Well, I'm, I'm trying to get a movie called Silver's Gold off the ground. I've got to find a leading man to do it. Uh, it's a remake of Treasure Island oh. set in Louisiana, a contemporary version of, Lu- of Treasure Island set in Louisiana, sort of like Holes with the treasure of Jean Lafitte, the famous pirate. Mm-hmm. And and then I'm very excited about that. And um, uh, I've wrote a novel called the Disturbing the Bones, which is coming out next summer, another thriller uh, that that will be available. And I hope to make a movie out of that. And I'm working on a Gene Wilder novel, adapting that into a movie. So I'm, I'm quite busy with all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. Now, and now that the strike's over, you can actually have some movement forward, correct? <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Andrew, I just want to finish up with one final question. But before we go into that, um, people should uh, definitely go out and watch The Fugitive because uh, and get the 4K edition of it. Uh, like like you said, it's... And, and, and go and, and watch Stony Island because there's a great documentary called The Making of Stony Island. If you go to my website, andrewdavisfilms.com, you can watch the, the Making of Stony Island, which is the whole backstory, and then watch the film because I think it would be very rewarding for people. It's available on all kinds of platforms, including my website. And so I, I'm very grateful that Freestyle Releasing is 
is put that out there. Yeah, great. Jeez. It's good to see, you know, your your huge films and then your starting out film because you go back and you can see, you know, how you've developed and changed or, or not changed, you know. It's just a fascinating. Well, a, if you watch Stony Island, you'll see a lot of the textures of the fugitive. Oh, really? Film. Yeah. yeah. I know what I was going to ask you about the train crash. Was that... Uh, digitally done, you know, with visual effects, or how did you... There was a, there, the only, there was only, there were two shots in that, the train really did crash, it really did bang into all those things, and it was really laying there. There's a, there's a cut of Harrison jumping off the bus that was done with uh, uh, rear projection, and a couple other cuts of the train uncoupling, but other, other than that, it's real, but he's running along those tracks, that's the real deal. Wow. Yeah. Well, the final question is, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows and what's your favorite movies now out of the past? Wow. What do you enjoy and what are you watching now? <laughs> well, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV in terms of dramatic stuff. I think it, uh, because I was so into the business, you know, mm-hmm. I rather watched real stuff. I watch Frontline. I watch Point of View. I watch American Masters. I watch 60 Minutes. I watch real gritty documentaries, okay? Yeah. In terms of movies, um, I saw a movie the other day uh, called Origin by Ava DuVernay, which blew my mind. It's coming out this in a, in a couple of weeks. It's a fantastic movie based upon a, an award-winning book. Uh, about about genet about you know creed and then about the status of different tribes in the world and how they racism and all that stuff. And she took this dramatic sort of she took this this nonfiction book and turned it into an amazing movie. So I recommend everybody see that. Um, in terms of my the past, what were the things that really knocked me out? Oh, boy. You know, I was very involved. I, I thought French Connection was a great movie, The Battle of Algiers, um, uh, the, the Immigrants, uh, filmed by Jan Troll about Swedish immigration back then, um, uh, the, the, the great French directors. I liked, uh, you know, their work. Um, Fellini, those kind of things were the things that were the base. Sidney Lamet and Norman Jewison were two of the directors that I really appreciated. And, of course, Haskell Wexler was my mentor, I worked on Medium Cool, and all of his work as both a cinematographer and a director was very impressive to me. There was a kid in Stony Island by the name of Harold based upon the Haskell's Medium Cool. Hmm. Wow. So, so those, are, those are, you know, watch the films of Jewison, watch the films of Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. And, uh, you know, people, like I say, should be watching Stony Island and... The Fugitive, their new releases in 4K, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. And a big shout-out going to Andrew Davis for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond, the director of The Fugitive, which is out on 30th anniversary 4K right now. And uh, be sure to check that out. He also, he's done decades of movies that he's, you know, People have grown up with The Guardian, with uh, Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher, and Holes with Shia LaBeouf, and uh, Collateral Damage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just so many things he's done, and uh, he's just a, a great guest. Thank you for joining us, Andrew, 
And we'll have more guests coming your way right here on On Screen and Beyond as we uh, take a break here. Now, uh, we're going to take a week off. Then we'll come back at the beginning of the year, um, and we'll give you a new episode of On Screen and Beyond. So instead of two weeks, like I thought, we're only taking one week, and uh, we'll have uh, more guests coming your way. Have a suggestion, email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Tell a friend, please. Uh, help, help us out. I know I always say that, but uh, that's uh, what keeps us going. The more listeners we have the more people we can get on here at On Screen and Beyond, because that's the way it works, you know. Uh, they want to go on shows that uh, have people who are listening. And it's thanks to you that I can get more people here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, so keep telling your friends, get more people on here, download more episodes, that's a big thing. The more people that are downloading, uh, the more episodes that are downloaded, the uh, more chance we're going to get more guests here at On Screen and Beyond. So... Please do that for the new year, and uh, hope everybody has a great new year coming up next week. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Take care.